Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back for another episode of Addiction and Codependency Breakthrough. I am so glad you're here. And if you're catching this episode when it first comes out, it's during the holiday season. And before we even get in today, I want to let you know that I've been thinking about you. I know Dysfunction Junction pulls its train stop into Thanksgiving and Turkey Town and Christmas. And so with that in mind, I have created a very special holiday survival kit just for you over at HeidiRain.com. So if you're watching this and the timing is right and it's around the holidays, please go over and grab it. I've knocked like 70% off of it so that you can have a huge saving. So go grab it now. Now that's for the for those of you who've been watching for a while and been waiting for something like this, it's available for you. You can have it. And if you're new here, don't worry about it. All right. Just welcome home. It's nice to see you. It's nice to meet you. I'm Heidi and I specialize in dealing with toxic relationships, particularly if you are exposed to another person's narcissism through way of addiction and codependency. And so today we're going to talk about grief. This was a complete divine inspiration this morning. It's not in my list of things to talk about, uh, but it's something that I think is important to talk about and particularly how it shows up in waves. And I think especially it can be really hard around the holidays. So if you've been impacted by addiction, you grew up in it, or you married into it, or you have children that are wrestling and struggling, I think that this is going to be a really good um, talk for us today to just kind of be together and talk about how this thing shows up. So I've been on a spiritual journey myself for my whole life. I think, you know, like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Is this the thing? Is that the thing? And I've been exposed to all different types of ways of believing and thinking. And lately I've really been curious and conscious about what it would be like to wake up in the morning and be led somewhere instead of waking up full of anxiety, full of responsibility and thinking to myself, what am I going to do today? How am I going to do this today? What all needs to get done today? But actually that longing in my heart to wake up and have kind of somebody else take over, right? You know, I don't know if you can relate to that feeling if you're the strong one in your family dynamic and you're always the one that keeps it and holds it together. So I've been experimenting lately and what that would look like. And in my morning routine, I leave about, you know, window from eight to 10 in the morning where I just get led to do whatever I think my prayer is, lead me to what I actually need to know today or need to discover today or need to understand today so that my life is better so that I can move through the rest of my day, either with my life being better with this new understanding or give me the wisdom to help somebody else that's on the path today. And God is so good in many times that those paths are intertwined. And often what I'm being shown, I know is gonna be helpful for you. I hate to work out. There's never a time when I like it, but I know that that morning movement is so important. And yesterday I was like a freak of nature. I ended up doing Pilates and Zumba. God only knows how. I think my friends talked me into it. But this morning I was paying the price for that. I was hurting. I don't know about you, but a lot of people that I know, including myself, that suffer from growing up in addiction or trauma or an abusive narcissistic situation, a lot of us suffer from fibromyalgia. And that's certainly something that I have suffered with my entire life, which is just this pain. Whatever What that is, is it's just pain. 
all throughout your body. It's like sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I feel like a 90 year old. I'm just decrepit. I am just crawling out of bed and just praying for the strength to make it, you know, and as my body like prinks and cracks through the morning, I start to like wake up. And sometimes I ignore that pain long enough to dance in my Zumba class. And then I limp out of class afterwards. So it's intense. It's chronic. It's never ending. There is no relief, it seems. So this morning, I felt led to just stretch and relax. And I went and got, do you ever know one of these like stress uh, relievers, one of those rollers that you get? Well, I grabbed that thing and I laid down and I started to lay on it. And I want to tell you, I don't know if you have fibromyalgia and laid on one of those things, but that shit hurts, right? So I'm laying on this roller and I'm listening to music and I'm doing the thing and I'm rolling and I'm like, wow, that hurts so bad, especially when it runs across like this certain area in my back. And I was like, it was like excruciating, you know, foam roller is supposed to feel pretty good, right? This was the opposite of that. It was pain city. And all of a sudden I had this kind of revelation inside of me that I was supposed to be releasing that and letting it out. Now I know this is going to sound awkward and strange, but for me, that meant actually giving it sound, actually allowing myself to have that pain in my body and sound it out. When I was giving birth to my daughter, I decided I didn't want to get any magic medication and partly because I'm a needle phobe and I did not want to get that big, long ass contraption in my spine. So I was like, I'm gonna have a natural birth. And part of my birthing process to move through the pain was releasing that pain. I did a lot of, uh, uh, you know, sound movement, moving the baby, moving our daughter out. And I was able to do that, but there's something about this other kind of pain, which is not as welcomed, right? That's a welcome pain. You know what to expect. You know, it's coming. There's all this other kind of pain. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I was experiencing pain, whether that be in the form of being hit, being verbally attacked, being hit, being being uh, verbally abused, what have you, I locked that pain inside because my thought was, if you see me in pain, you win. So I learned how to lock up that pain in my body. And you know, there's so many great books about this. The Body Keeps Score is an excellent one. Um, Pete Walker's Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder is another one that talks about it, talks about how the body holds on to that pain and trauma lives in the body. And so as I was moving, I started to release and let go of that pain physically, right? And as I rolled, it took about 20 minutes on even one spot just to let it be still and work it out enough with the noise to let it go. And I thought, well, that felt actually pretty good at the end of it. You know, at the end, it felt it felt really good. I felt like I was also shown how, and I know this already, you know, our pain sensors outnumber our pleasure sensors in our bodies 10 to one, but those of us that grew up in pain are actually hypervigilant to pain. And I think that fibromyalgia and chronic pain is because not just we have the regular pain, but we're also hypervigilant as to where the pain is. So when I wake up, it's like I open my eyes and I go, where's the pain? So you and I, while we're considering grieving and while we're considering healing, need to think about how we can also equalize the that sensory acuity to pain and to wire it to pleasure, 
what's not wrong is a Buddhist meditation that uh, Janine Roth talks about a lot of time where you just sit and you meditate what's not wrong. And I know for an adult child of an alcoholic or somebody dealing with addiction, just meditating on what's not wrong can be a whole perspective shift that we really need because it's hard. It's hard when you're in this dynamic. All you think about is what it's wrong, what's wrong, because you're the lookout person. You're the one that's on watch because nobody else seems to be on watch. So I got up from that and I thought, well, that's a good lesson, God. You know, I can definitely share that lesson today. And I thought, well, let's drive it home. Let's look for what's not wrong. So I started to write in my journal and I was like, I'm so grateful that I have this beautiful family. It's a miracle that I've been able to create this family. Not really, I mean, it's a miracle, but it's also a lot of hard work, right? We have a lot of healing to do to create the lives that we want. But I'm looking around and I'm thinking, you know, I have this home. It's exactly the way that I want it to look. You know, I I sat, was sitting on the rocking chair that I had put in the, in the big room that has all windows where I could look at the trees and it was a particularly windy day. And so I'm listening to the leaves and I'm sipping my coffee and I'm thinking, man, this, you know, this is, this is the life, right? And in its simplicity, it really is the life because for us, for people like us who grew up in all this dysfunction, the, the beauty in life is found in the peace. It's found in these serene moments where it's like, nothing's really wrong. The wind is blowing. I have enough oxygen in my lungs. I have a good pen to write in my journal. My coffee's hot and all is well in the world. And I thought, okay, thanks God. That's a really good lesson, you know? So I got up and I thought, let me go on about my day. I started straightening up the house and I'm thinking about moving moving on. And I'm walking through the house and I'm picking things up. And, and of course, part of my serenity is lighting every candle that I have in the house, even though it's full, it's like in the morning time and putting on the things that smell and my, my winter wonderland air diffuser, you know, cause I like my house to smell like Christmas trees at least for three months out of the year. So I light everything. And the one place where I light this Christmas tree, uh, um, wax melt, there's a picture that's sitting there. And it's a picture of my family at Christmas time. And it's my dad, my stepmom, my brothers, my sister, and me. And we're squatting in front of, or some of us are squatting and some of us are standing in front of the Christmas tree at my grandma's house. And I thought to myself, man, what a wonderful time that was at that Christmas when things were normal. Nobody got drunk. Nobody fell into the tree. Uh, that Christmas was a really good Christmas. Uh, we had a beautiful time. Grandma's house was so cozy. You know, she always had plenty of food and, and warm electric blankets. And, you know, she just, I mean, she just really knew how to take care of us, you know, uh, run the bath and and put stuff from like Bath and Body Works and the, and the thing. And you could get, I didn't get that stuff at my house, but at grandma's house I did. And I just felt so loved and cared for. I started looking at that picture and I noticed the frame that it was in. And the frame that that picture was in was a frame that had been given to me by one of the, the my colleagues at the treatment center where I had been a, a consultant and a teacher and a, and a coach for many, many years. And the picture frame was given to me by a therapist that had worked with my dad at that treatment center when he came in for treatment. It's a long story, but eventually my dad came in for treatment for his alcoholism and stayed at the center where I was teaching. I had my dad in the classes that I taught, the adult children of alcoholics classes, the, the healthy relationships classes. You know, my dad was sitting in all those and it was really surreal. And unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out the way that we had hoped. And after 90 days of him being sober, uh, right in between Thanksgiving and New Year's, he started getting sick and he died the day before New Year's. 
uh, about eight or nine years ago. But the frame originally had a picture of him when he graduated from treatment. And he's sitting there with a smile on his face, you know. So I took that picture out because it's not the best picture. And instead, I put that family picture in with all of us at Christmas time all together as a family. And as I started to look at that picture, I started to grieve. And that's the pain that we don't always acknowledge as a, as a, I pictured myself as a girl throughout my teenage years and my, even my young adult years. And I thought to myself, family, how many times did I try to keep my family together, to intervene in the arguments, to help people make sense of what's going on so they can be, be loving to one another again, to prevent my dad from drinking and falling into the tree to prevent the house from lighting on fire from burnt cigarettes in the couch, to clean it up so it looked pretty from the outside looking in. And I would have visions as a kid of having a Thanksgiving dinner where somebody didn't end up crying or flipping a chair. And I started to grieve. And I felt so sad that none of it really came to pass that I had to come to acceptance that as much as I longed to create that family dynamic in my own family, I couldn't. And so I cried and I cried and I put that picture to my heart and I let it come out because that's the truth for a lot of us that are in this addicted codependent dynamic. Everything you're doing, you're doing to bring everybody together. Everything you're doing, you're doing to make it nice, to, to put the turkey on it, to make sure everything's good. And you know, when I both know that when you have a family like that, it's fleeting moments of happiness. It's fleeting moments of peace. It's fleeting moments of serenity. And then they're gone. And that's grief. It's coming to the place of acceptance that as hard as you and I are trying or have tried, that we have no control. So what can we do? I got up from that picture and I had been weeping over that picture and I put it back and I went back to my journal and I started writing and said, though I had no control over that dynamic and that situation, I do have control over this moment now and how I choose to live my life and who I choose to surround myself with and how I choose to create a beautiful holiday. And so do you. And I want that for you. I want you to have exactly what you want, but I also want you to grieve the possibility that what you want cannot be experienced with what you currently have. And sometimes we need to learn how to let it go and recreate or hold a boundary and a standard so that we can create. And if you really want to do that, I'm here for you. I want to help you get to that place. Because I know I can.
And as sad as it was for me to be in that moment, what I realized was right now in this moment, I have everything I ever dreamed I could have. And so can you. I created that survival kit for you. If you're interested in it, please don't delay. Go over to HeidiRain.com and check it out and have it in there. You'll find how to set boundaries with an addict and alcoholic. You'll find countless hours, countless, just 50 hours of coaching content where you'll see me confront and deal with different issues and how to say what to family members. You'll have my husband put in his emotional mastery course in there, and he's a master practitioner of uh, neurolinguistic programming and hypnotherapy. And he put in meditations for you to restore your peace and sanity over the holidays and how to just be in your own zone. And we made that for you. So I want you to take advantage of it go over and get it. And then I also want to know how you're applying it and how you're able to maintain your peace and sanity and happiness in spite of the fact that everything else might be falling apart. You can do this. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I can do this and you can do this. Okay. I love you. If this was helpful for you, please. Leave a comment below and let me know. Maybe share some of your holiday memories and what you're releasing and letting go of as well. And then we can we can all talk about it and share. And, and this family, you know, that's another thing too. You know, I think about all the clients that I've been able to help and everybody that I've worked with over the years. And it's like, these are my chosen family. These are the people that were the same, right? And that's you. So we can create a new dynamic, a new family support system. And I'm right here for it. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. And I mean that. And I'll see you soon.